0: Welcome to the Women, Peace and Rights podcast, hosted by the Women's Regional Network. I am Rita Manchanda, a WRN board member, hosting this episode around the human rights and humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, and in particular, the plight of Afghan refugees and their right to seek safety. Ten months ago, After the takeover of Afghanistan by the extremist forces of the Taliban, following the hasty pullout of the US and NATO forces, Afghanistan today confronts a situation where the international community's attention, resources, and solidarity is focused on the Ukraine crisis. To all appearances, the rights of millions of Afghans to seek safety as refugees is at risk. Indeed, it has been displaced by the claims of refugees from the Ukraine. To help us navigate the complexity of the situation, our guest today is Dr. Habiba Sarabi, a medical doctor, a politician, a former minister of women's affairs, a former, indeed, the first woman governor of a province, the Bamiyan province in Afghanistan, deputy chair of the High Peace Council, and one of the four women in the negotiating team with the Taliban. She's a recipient of several outstanding awards and today finds herself a refugee in Germany. Welcome, Dr. Habiba Sarabi.
1: Thank you very much, Madam Manchanda. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you.
0: And after more than four decades of displacement, Afghan refugees today constitute the third largest group of displaced population in the world. Some 3.5 million people, Afghans, are currently displaced within Afghanistan. And there are more than 2.7 million registered refugees in outside, of whom Practically 2.2 million are hosted within the global south, that is, Iran and Pakistan. Indeed, more than a million are undocumented in these countries. In Europe, the largest or the country taking the lead in providing refuge to Afghans has been Germany. Over 18,800 Afghans entered since the Taliban took over in Afghanistan. But increasingly today, what we're seeing is the prioritization of the claims of Ukrainian refugees. And that has, in a sense, deepened the plight of Afghan refugees. According to reports, in particular, Der Spiegel magazine, the German Ministry of the Interior is planning to impose a quota of a maximum of 5,000 refugees a year. Considering that about 10,000 refugees already granted access are waiting in Afghanistan, I think gives you an idea of what kind of distress this is going to create. Reports from Germany also talk about Afghan refugees being displaced from their temporary homes, and given only perhaps 24 hours notice, families are being split to accommodate, in fact, refugees from the Ukraine. Dr. Habiba Sarabi, since you are yourself in Germany, is this actually happening? And if it is happening, is there no uh, public opinion, no protest? What do you think should be done? Thank you very much, Rita, for
1: all this information and report. Unfortunately, Afghanistan is suffering from war and conflict more than 40 years. So it's not easy. It's just not a, a number. It's years that, unfortunately, we are facing with death a problem. And Afghan people are getting out from the country, settle somewhere else as a refugee. It's not easy for them to stay in Pakistan and everywhere, in Iran, Indonesia, you can see, I'm sure. That you get all the reports from Indonesia, even in India, in the Western country. For me, or people like me, that uh, to be to work as a politician or to work uh, to serve in Afghanistan for a long time, it's not easy to leave the country and to settle somewhere else. It's really very really tough. Sometimes we are facing with discrimination. This is something that myself I have faced with some sort of discrimination, discrimination from the society, from public. Uh, sometimes, especially that we are with a black ear and also to wearing the scarf as a Muslim this is something that sometimes we are facing with some sort of serious uh, looking to us and a stranger and also whenever sometimes when we are going to some office or some place we are facing the discrimination so but it's really tough to be honest it's really tough but they have to recognize that we didn't left our country by our choice it was some think that we forced to leave our country. We didn't have any other choice. And also, it's a kind of giant responsibility from international community in Afghanistan. So, of course, I haven't seen such an event that in my region, in my area, Afghan people or Afghan refugee can be forced to short notice to leave the home or the apartment. But anyway, maybe it happened because I can see some sort of not a, in a very polite behavior. I can see it. And everywhere, especially after this crisis in Ukraine, I can see that one in Europe that because they have blue eyes and uh, blonde hair. So that's why it looks a little bit, they feel it closer to Ukraine people than rather than the people that they are coming from east.
0: You spoke about the joint responsibility of the international community. In that context, let me just refer you to the latest figures that we've got, which is 93% of Afghans are facing starvation, whether it is uh, resulting from the drought Afghanistan is facing, whether the economic crisis following regime collapse, or in fact, the international sanctions. Within this context, we're getting reports that the U.S. plans to split the $7 billion of the Afghan Central Bank, which are held in the U.S., They want to split them. I don't know whether the decision is final or not, but this is what has been proposed, that half will be released for humanitarian assistance to Afghanistan, and the other half will be used to settle the claims of the survivors of the 9-11, that is, Americans. What do you feel about this? I mean, is this yet another betrayal? You talk about joint responsibility. Are we seeing the diminishing, the lessening of this joint responsibility now that there are other claimants, there is more competition? Is Afghanistan still relevant to the international community?
1: Unfortunately, Afghanistan is a field for competition of West and East field of competition between the superpower. It has been the field of competition between superpower during the Cold War. And now still, Afghanistan is the battlefield for this competition between the West and East. So when the, after 9-11, US and NATO came to Afghanistan, it was on the name of democracy. It was on the name of human rights. It was on the name of women's rights. But what happened after 20 years? Everything just forgotten because U.S. wanted to leave Afghanistan. U.S. wanted to withdraw their troops from Afghanistan. They wanted to excuse themselves somehow. So the people that they were on the sanction list or the blacklist of the U.N. and U.S. now the UN going to these people and talking with them and dealing with them and talking with this very formal protocol and very high protocol. And somewhere even they are putting the red carpet when they are receiving these people that they were on the sanction list than the blacklist of the UN. This is true that Afghanistan was is not still on the agenda of the West to fulfill their Uh, commitment because they are thinking about their own agenda. And you talked about this poverty in Afghanistan. So there are several reasons for that. The drought is one of the reasons. But immediately after the collapse, more than a million of people lost their job. The people whom they they were working with the government and also with the civil society in different organizations, they totally lost their job. And every individual, they have a family at least from five to seven other members of the family. So you can see that more than a million or a million and a half don't have any income. So of course it will be a a big rise. That's the matter. And uh, I hope that the international community on the top, U.S., of course, they have done the things within, they supported somehow Afghanistan. We cannot ignore that, but that support was not enough. And the plan and the decision that it was taken by, by US and the international community and NATO was not in the right time and it was not taken by responsibility.
0: Let's turn to within Afghanistan and the human rights issues in Afghanistan. As a leading women's rights Activists. You have been watching, like all of us, the rollback of Afghan women's rights. Indeed, the return of misogynist restrictions and practices, denial of education, denial of access of women into public life, to jobs, and now directions about complete bailing of women and restrictions on mobility are these exaggerated reports? What is the information you are getting from Afghanistan? And should we place our hope in the resilience of women within Pakistan? That is the resistance that are also being reported of women, but yet these women are also now being punished. So where do you see the hope and what is actually happening as regards women's rights in Afghanistan? The situation is even
1: worse than the report that we are getting because media doesn't have the rights to get report. Any media correspondent that they are getting report or documenting the human rights violation, so they will be arrested by Taliban. There are so many journalists, there are so many other activists, there are so many women activists that they have been arrested by Taliban and they took it in some unknown place. Even their family are not allowed to talk about that, especially some people that they are not from the same ethnic group. For example, the Hazara minority and also the people that they are on the north part of Afghanistan. Somehow they the Taliban wanted to link them with the resistance, the north resistance, the uh, and so. Every day they are facing with problem. Two days ago, I got a report from north part of Kabul that more than hundred of people are arrested from their home because the Taliban think that they have some alliance with panchayat or the resistance so this is the situation even the report sometimes that we are getting it's not a complete report its the situation is not good but of course we have saying that the state of poverty can be exist or extend but the state of oppressive cannot be sustained. That's why they are oppressing the the people. They are every day punishing the people and they are all resistant. Still resistance are going on. And my hope is with women, that they still resist and they still have their rights and they still uh, want to continue to resist and stand. So when I see young women on the street that they are standing in front of the Taliban and saying that this is my right, you don't have the rights to punish me or to stop me from coming to the street and shouting and talking about my rights, this is the hope for the future of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. This is the hope we put that seeds to our community that the new generation and young generation, they are resisting, and they want to have the basic rights that they had to have.
0: Well, it's very heartening to hear you speak about the resilience of the young, their capacity to resist and their determination to resist oppression. But do you think that one should also call upon the international community, the UN Security Council, or even hope that some support, some intervention might come? Or do you in fact really now would never think of human right intervention in the name of human rights, that that brings with it a very double-edged sword.
1: Our hope and our demand from the international community that, first of all, about humanitarian aid, we have the international community and all Afghan people should make a differentiation between the people who are in need and the Taliban government. This humanitarian aid should go to the people that they are in great need and they are starving and should be distributed by a very transparent uh, mechanism that can be reached to the people, not to the Taliban side, and That committee, it's a kind of mechanism can be set up with a committee that can, the international community, the donor agency, UN agency, and the civil society from Afghanistan can monitor that. And uh, of course, uh, this is our hope or our desire from international community. Uh, the other thing that it's a request or demand from international community, there shouldn't be different group of people, different country. For example, if this is a crisis or going on in Ukraine, Afghan people also suffered because of this competition and the, the war between East and West. The people that we are, we paid the price of these competition between these two group of uh, countries. So they have to think about the Afghan people and also continuously should talk with Taliban to push them to accept the inclusive government and the women's rights, human rights. And if they want to be a part of the international community, they have to respect all the treaties from the UN treaties that it's already ratified by the Afghan government.
0: On a more personal note before we close, Dr. Habiba, you are yourself an ethnic Hazara. Is your family with you in Germany or are you still, is your family still at risk in Afghanistan?
1: My family, my husband, my children, they are safe. But I still have family like my brothers. All of my brothers, they are in Afghanistan. They are at risk, especially some of them. Of course, as a Hazara, as their belonging to me or their relation to me, it's also a risk for them. And some of them have been worked with the Human Rights Commission or Human Rights Activity. They are at risk. This is something that uh, we never think about that, that people of Afghanistan can be out of risk with this moment.
0: Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for sharing your insights and your frankness, Dr. Sarabi. And I wish that your family remains stay safe and in fact, if necessary, is able to join you wherever you wish them to join you. Thank you very much. For listening to this episode of Women Peace and Rights podcast produced by the Women's Regional Network, WRN is happy to hear from you. Please write to us at media at women's dot and please connect with us through Twitter at WRN News. Thank you. Thank you very much.